This is part six of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And now we end with this. I put you under oath. Another English word for that is I adjure you. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And that's the end of the letter. Father, as we draw to a close now, our study of 1 Thessalonians, grant that we feel the impact and understand the impact of Paul's very strong language of of putting them under oath simply to make sure that the letter is read to everyone in the church. Help us to see the implications of that and then to be sent on our way like they were with the grace of our Lord Jesus going with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I put you under oath to have this letter read to all the brothers. This is the second time in this letter now we've seen Paul address a group or at least specify a group that's not the totality of the church. The you here must be some group within the church because they are to take responsibility for the letter being read to everybody. Remember, we saw this back in the few verses earlier where it said, we ask you brothers to respect those who are who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. So this would be the you of the church members, and this is those who are uh, laboring among them and are over them, their leaders. So there is evidently already in place in the church in Thessalonica a group that he can call out from time to time and say, here's a special responsibility for you. And remarkably, he uses language that might be troubling. It is to me, and I have to think it through. He, he says, I put you under oath. I adjure you. It's not like Paul's taking an oath, and it's not quite like they are taking an oath. It's like Paul saying, handle this letter with such seriousness that if you fail to do what I tell you to do, it's the Lord himself that will hold you accountable. Something like that. But it is, it is the language of binding someone with an oath that they are supposedly taking. And the reason that's troubling is because Jesus said, don't ever take an oath. Remember? You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. I say to you, don't take an oath at all. 
either by heaven, and then he gives these reasons for why. Don't say, by heaven I'll do it, or by heaven you better do it, because heaven is the throne of God. You can't control the throne of God. Or by earth. Don't say, by earth, do it. By earth I'll do it, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, the holy city, I'll do this. No, don't talk like that. This is the city of the great king, and do not take an oath by your own head. May my head be chopped off, or may my hair turn white <laughs> if I don't do what I promise. You, can't not, you cannot make one hair turn white or black, so stop all that. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes of evil. Now, there are a lot of disagreements about how to apply that in real life. I personally take this pretty seriously. If I were in court as a witness and they put a Bible in front of me and said, do you swear by this Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth and, and nothing but the truth, I would look the guy in the eye or the judge, whoever you're supposed to look at, I wouldn't put my hand on the Bible and I would say to the judge, I promise to tell the whole truth, God helping me. That's what I'd say. And if he said, you need to swear it, I'd say, sir, I believe Jesus taught me that I don't need to do that. In fact, I heard a trial the other day where they gave people the option, do you swear or do you promise to tell the truth? Something like that. So I think, I, at least my take is, we ought to take that pretty seriously for these reasons, which, as you can see, creates a problem here. What am I to make of the fact that Paul seems to say, no, Piper, you're not understanding Jesus correctly. You need to be a little more loose because I put these people under oath that they should have this letter read to all the people. To which I respond, well, maybe. That's right. I'm, I might be uh, interpreting Jesus improperly. I might be. But I'm not inclined to think I am, and my take on what's going on here is something like this. Paul spoke in this letter like this, this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. We declare the word of the Lord, or 1 Thessalonians 2. When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, word of God, from us, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but as what it is, the word of God. So I'm saying that Paul, this, this action right here, to tell them, if you don't read this letter, you are in effect breaking what I'm telling you to do and since I speak the very word of God, it is as serious as taking an oath and breaking it before God. In other words, th this strong language here is a function of Paul's apostolic authority. I don't think Paul would encourage us to talk that way. I could be wrong about that, but I'm going to go that way rather than saying, oh, it just can't, uh, Jesus can't mean what he seemed to clearly say. I put you under oath before the Lord means I am functioning now as an apostle. I speak the word of the Lord. 
And therefore, I'm telling you, in the name of the Lord, to have this letter read to all the believers. If you don't, you will bring down the Lord's wrath and disapproval upon your own head. Thus says the Lord. The main thing we should get from verse 27, however, is Paul considers it that important that everybody hear the letter. Isn't that amazing? It's not like he's saying, well, I'm writing a letter to you and there'll be another one. And if, if people don't get around to hearing it, it's no big deal. I gave you some teaching while I was there and the rest of you can sort of paraphrase it and explain it. You don't need to hear the very word of God spoken by me, an apostle. No, that's not the way he thinks. He wants this heard by everybody in the church. That should carry big implications for parents, for Sunday school teachers, for pastors. Let the word of God be heard and let it be explained by the teachers in the church. It is that important as he ends. And then he goes out the way he came in, only not quite. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And he began, verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Grace to you as I begin to write this word of God to you. And as you leave, go with grace going with you. You leave the service. The letter has been read to you. You have been touched with the grace of God through the word of God. Now go and in the power of thus the Spirit know that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to go with you. That's my prayer for all of you as well. I think we'll do one more session to try to step back and look at the whole book. But grace be with you. Grace be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus.